0: Welcome to the Power 5 Cast Week 14 DFS Preview. I'm Jacob Doyle and I'm joined as always by our DFS flamethrower, Bobby Berger. Bobby, happy Thanksgiving. How excited are you for this full football weekend?
1: Jake, happy Thanksgiving to you. I am ecstatic for a full football weekend. Uh, although, it seems like college football is missing an opportunity not having any games tonight.
0: Yeah, definitely seems like it. I, I mean, there's no maxion or anything. I don't pay as much attention to that, but... No match Huh, normally that's on Tuesdays and Wednesdays towards the end of the year, isn't it?
1: Yes, they missed an opportunity tonight, I'm going to say.
0: Yeah, man, we could have had just a six days in a row, five days in a row type thing here in the final week in Rivalry Week. Yeah, someone's missing an opportunity there. They, they should be like an American game or Sunbelt or somebody should grab the night before Thanksgiving and put a couple Rivalry games in there or something.
1: Exactly, I could go for a little fun belt action.
0: Yeah, well, who couldn't? <laughs>
1: exactly.
0: Um, all right, well, before we get, you know, final week of the regular season here, Rivalry Week, we're going to get into this slate. There's a lot of weather, a lot of things like that to talk about. So before we get into all that, though, do you have a trivia question? You want to get into the lesson of the week, and then we can kind of jump off and go from there?
1: Jake, I do have a trivia question. And, you know, for our listeners out there who are, you know caught on the trivia portion of the show, stumping Jake in college football is like, uh, you know, stumping the Schwab, you know, the old ESPN show. I mean, Is it Swami or...
0: It's Swami is is Chris Berman. The Swab. Schwab is is the guy that had the goatee and is in way worse shape than I am. So I I don't take that as a compliment.
1: <laughs> well, in between the years, do you take it as a compliment there? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. All right. So so this guy's sharp. So anyways, Jake, if you I'll, this is a hard one. So if you get three of the six, I'll say you passed. All right. Ooh, man. Okay. So in the spirit of rivalry week. There are, um, you know, games are called certain things. Like Auburn, Alabama play for the Iron Bowl. You know? Um, Washington, Washington State play for the Apple Cup. What some people don't know is a lot of these rivalry games have trophies involved. Which leads me to my trivia question, Jake. I have six games. You have to name the trophy they play for. Ooh boy. if you get three questions right, you pass. Can you do it?
0: Ah uh, oh let's find out. I don't know. I, I, it'll be right on the brink I think.
1: All right, so we'll start with we'll start easy and go hard okay?
0: All right, oh boy.
1: So Georgia Georgia Tech, Louisville and Kentucky and Kansas and Kansas State all play for the same trophy. It's called the exact same thing. What do they play for?
0: Is it oh man. Who was it? Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville,
1: Georgia. Kentucky, Georgia, Georgia Tech, and Kansas, Kansas State. Right Is near it back the,
0: the Governor's Cup?
1: The Governor's Cup. They all play for the Governor's Cup. Okay. All right, one for one. Next one, Minnesota and Wisconsin. What's their trophy called?
0: Paul Bunyan's Axe.
1: All right, two for two. Now we're going to get a little tricky here. Oof. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. What do they play for?
0: Oh man, I don't know. I don't know if I know that one. I just know it is Bedlam when they play each other. Um What do they actually play for? I don't they, know that one.
1: They play for the Bedlam Bell. Mm. Who knew? Nah, I did not know that one. You got to get one more. There's 3 left.
0: Oh, so, boy. Virginia
1: and Virginia Tech, what do they play for?
0: Uh, the Commonwealth Cup?
1: Wow, you got it. I'm shocked. All right. Let's see if you can uh, get... Playing with house money now. You are playing with house money. So we have Texas and Texas Tech. What do they play for?
0: Oh, man. I didn't really even know that was a thing.
1: I didn't either, but I I like this one.
0: I I don't know that one.
1: The Chancellor Spurs.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, I would have never got that in a million years. That's the first time I've ever heard anyone say Chancellor Spurs.
1: Yep, Chancellor Spurs for Texas and Texas Tech. Okay. And lastly, the Civil War is what people know Oregon and Oregon state by. However, they play for a trophy, what's it called?
0: Oh man. What trophy do they play for? Uh I don't know that one.
1: They play for the platypus trophy.
0: <laughs> okay, the platypus I, trophy. So I guess that's a uh...
1: you passed. Combination
0: of a beaver and a duck, a little bit or something.
1: (laughs) I I believe so. So I kind of that was my favorite, so I saved it for the last.
0: Wow, yeah, I'm glad I got by that because a few of those I had never heard of before. So yeah,
1: me either. But uh, you know, just in the spirit of Thanksgiving trivia, you know, rivalry week, we'll we'll have some fun there. So
0: I love it. All right, well, you want to get into your lesson of the week for the week before we get into the slate?
1: Yeah, you guys talked about it um, on the Picks podcast. It's all about motivation for some of these teams. Um, kind of like nfl late in the year where you know some of these teams are running out of backup quarterback you know if a guy's franchise players you know kind of in between healthy and hurt eh, let's rest them a little bit you know he can save him for next year type of deal um some of these teams are playing for bowl bursts other teams have conference titles clinched and the game really doesn't matter uh and then other teams um are just they're part of teams who just don't want to play anymore and they're done with the season like this is crazy, right? This is a true story. So when I played with Coach Weiss, and this is my first year of my transfer ever in 2008, right? Mm-hmm. We went 6-6. Six and six, And the team had a vote on whether we wanted to go to a bowl game or not. I, of course, wanted to, know, to go. And we were you know, some younger people. Um, the team actually voted no that they did not want to go to the bowl game. Could you believe <laughs> that?
0: Wow. I never, it, it, it's, it's funny to hear that that's actually a real thing.
1: That that is a real thing. So there's there's different levels of motivation for these teams. That's all I'll say. And if you feel like you want to take a stand on one of them, go for it. It'll help differentiate you. Well,
0: that's a good lesson for this week for sure. I mean, yeah, especially that. that, Yeah, the motivation angle in this one for sure. Especially in some of these rivalry games too. You know, if if a team has a chance to get a team back for the year before, or just yeah, a lot of those situations. We talked about that some last night with our picks too. So we'll see how that factors in. Um, All right. Well, the one thing I wanted to mention before we get in, you know, we're doing this a day early. We're recording on Wednesday night. We normally do Thursday night. And then, Bob, you're doing write-ups for there's a huge slate on Friday, too. So I think this is going to be a little bit shorter on the analysis. We've talked about all these teams this year. So at least for me, it's going to be more team stats. I haven't whittled down my player pool all the way yet. You know, doing the picks podcast last night, we had our other one on Sunday night. So it's our third and four nights here. It's Thanksgiving week. You know, we have families. We have Things to do too, so it's going to be a little lighter this week, I think, as far as like the player analysis goes. So at least for me and Bob, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but I know you have the the Friday slate, like I mentioned. It's going to be more. Here's who I have it narrowed down to, or if I go in this direction, these are the positions that I'll at least be looking at. But I don't have firm lineup ideas in mind yet for this week. So I at least wanted to mention that. You know, if it is shorter, and just if you're listening along, it's not going to be as you know. A lot of times, it's like, hey, this is a slam dunk we really like this guy i just haven't had as much time this week to get into all that
1: yeah well i know you recorded the picks podcast last night um we got thanksgiving going on um uh, you know sometimes our initial thoughts are our best thoughts and what you're going to hear this podcast are our initial thoughts um um so that's, that's kind of where we stand and we're, we're all working through this together um you know by by friday saturday morning i'll have a full article posted on on gups um I already had the, the Friday article written, um, and that will be posted late Thursday night. Um, so if you're interested in joining uh, Gup's Corner, join a great community. Um, more and more joining Everyday College Football. And uh, one of the best things is the slack. I mean, last night we talked about uh, Northern Illinois' running back, Trey Harbison, being out. He was still 26% on, on the action slate. Oof. So we had a pretty big edge there uh, you know, in the slack, and not, not just him, but other guys as well. So interested in joining hop on board you know even though college football is winding down we still still bowl content still have nfl content nba starting up and then golf i mean golf's the most fun dfs sport out there in my opinion so and no one does better than gupp's corner so what a better time to join Yeah.
0: Well, and like this kind of week is perfect. Like you said, I mean, we're recording on Wednesday night when we don't normally do that, but your, your article that'll be out later in the week will be more updated with injuries and you'll have more time to kind of settle in on some of these guys that you're thinking about instead of just more general thoughts. I mean, this is sort of a a rough draft talking this through and you'll have a more finished product later in the week. So exactly. Okay. Very good. Uh, Let's get into the slate then we'll start off as we always do with the big red X. I think you had five teams this week on that. Did you want to go over those?
1: Yeah, five teams. So we got Georgia Tech, South Carolina, Michigan, Auburn, and Stanford.
0: The one thing I will say, and I don't know if I actually will play anyone on Auburn or not, but there is a situation I at least wanted to mention when we get to them. The rest of those I'm completely on board with. So like I said, I don't know for sure if I will have any plays on Auburn, but I do at least want to talk about a player. Normally we skip right by those. So uh, uh-huh. we'll make a note of that. Uh, okay, well, let's get into the Willoughby close tier as we always do. That's the first tier we go over. We ask ourselves that, and if they get a, if if the team gets a superpower tag, then we might just play right through it, even though the game's not going to be close, and assume the players are going to get their stats as they're racking up, you know, six touchdowns or whatever it is, even by the third quarter. But for some of these teams, it, it may just be enough for us to stay away. So the first game up is Georgia at Georgia Tech. The spread in this one's Georgia minus twenty eight and a half. The over under is forty six and a half. We'll start with Georgia. The, the one thought I had on them, Bob, is yeah. you, you mentioned that Lawrence Cager was—he injured his ankle. Now I guess it is in practice.
1: Yes, tonight. We just got the report about an hour ago.
0: Okay, so he, I mean, he was already dealing with a shoulder injury, and he was hurt—you know—a few weeks before that. Anyway, so the thing that I was, wanted to run by you, it, you know, DeAndre Swift is, is seven point six K in theory, I like him because Georgia tech hasn't been good against the run, but that's pretty expensive. And they they do have a good stable of running backs there. And so I don't know in this kind of game, why you would give him a full workload when you know that you're going to need him so much against LSU next week. So what I was wondering is, you know, George Pickens at 5.2 K maybe even Dominic Blaylock at 4.9, but probably Pickens. I think that I might have him in my player pool because Georgia's passing game has been absolutely horrendous lately. And with these big games coming up, I mean, if they beat LSU, then chances are they're going to have to beat Ohio State and then Clemson, the top three teams who haven't lost yet this year, if they're going to keep advancing. And their passing game's just going to have to be better. So against a team like Georgia Tech, that might be an opportunity to kind of keep some of these younger guys in the game. Pickens and Blaylock are both freshmen. So that was kind of my angle of wondering, you know, especially with Cager banged up, if, if any of these guys are worth a play in your mind, just thinking that maybe they'll get more volume and try to get at least a little something established with Fromm.
1: Yeah, just I mean, just from talking to people I know from uh you know, playing football at Notre Dame and some of them since moved on to careers in the NFL and stuff like that. So I mean my sources say Georgia's NFL guys at every position but wide receiver. So um yeah, I, I think that would be a prudent um way for Georgia to go about this. Um now knowing Kirby's smart, I'm not sure he does the most prudent things on offense from time to time. But Pickens would be my guy uh, because it seems like he has the most targets and he's done the most with them. Um, So I would be Pickens, I, I wouldn't play Blaylock. Pickens would be my guy there.
0: Okay, and then Jake Fromm at 6.9 is yeah. just way too expensive. I mean, that's crazy that he's priced that high with the way that he's been playing. So, yeah, I mean, that's the one thing I wanted to ask you in this tier, you know, with this game being in this tier. Obviously, Georgia doesn't get the superpower tag because of their offense. So, uh, And then we X'd out Georgia Tech, so we can keep rolling to the next game. Clemson at South Carolina. The spread, this one is Clemson minus 25.5. The over-under is 51.5. Clemson does get the superpower tag. Uh, note that was that Justin Ross had a rib injury, and it was. Was a shoulder for Amari Rodgers. They both were hurt for their last game, but then they had a bye last week, and it sounds like they're both probable. So is that what you're hearing, and what do you think about those guys? How are you attacking this game here?
1: Yeah, I'm hearing they're probable. Um, I think Ross had a uh, – one of them had a rib, one of them had a shoulder injury. I think Ross had the rib, Rodgers had the shoulder. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Davo came out in a prep conference and said, these guys are good to go. I, I think Davo sees what, um, what I kind of see here with South Carolina – they actually have a pretty talented roster. They're 22 in my recruiting mashup. Um, you know, you have to be pretty talented to beat a team like Georgia. The thing with uh, South Carolina is they're just so poorly coached uh, and they just do dumb stuff and they play a really hard schedule. So a lot of people just don't think out of South Carolina is any good at all when in reality they have upside to beat a team like Clemson. Um, and I think uh, Dabba knows that, so he's going to play these two guys. Uh, Starting at the top of Trevor Lawrence, you know he's run the ball a little bit more this year. Um, You gotta like that. Travis Etienne, he's always in play. Um, South Carolina is probably a little bit better against the run than the pass. You know, kind of looking at numbers here. Um, Wide receiver wise, where do you kind of stand there, Jake?
0: Yeah, I just did want to mention Trevor Lawrence at eight thousand and and Travis Etienne's eight point four. Yeah. at receiver, you know, I, I might play T. Higgins at 6.5K just because, I mean, Ross at 6.3, he hasn't really had that good of a year anyway. And with, with being a little banged up, I, I, you know, with Higgins only 200 more, I think I would prefer that. And then Rodgers is 5.4K, and he's kind of been hit or miss. DeAndre Overton, who I played a few weeks ago when he was at 3.1, he's had three or four catches in every game here with these other guys banged up. He's at 3.8 now. I think I might give him a shot because if they do go up in this game, I could see that Ross and Rogers kind of having an early game where they just want to keep them at 100 percent and make sure they have them for the, the big moments. And maybe Overton gets a few more catches later in the game. And he's actually been involved early and before Ross or Rogers even left the game against Wake Forest. He was still getting catches. So he's not targeted a ton. But, you know, if he gets a big catch or were to score a touchdown, he even had a 12-yard rush on, on an end around. round. So they've been getting him a little bit more involved in the ball in different ways. So I think Higgins and Overton would be the way I would go. And they might be the only guys that I would actually play on Clemson because I don't love Trevor Lawrence at 8,000 here because, as you mentioned, he has been rushing. But I just don't know in this game if it's worth – I mean, we've talked all year about he, he takes weird hits and he takes big hits. I just don't know how – smart it would be to kind of risk anything with him at this point. So, I, you know, I don't, I don't know if he'll get the 30 yards rushing or the rushing touchdown like we've seen from him. And ETN's just a little too expensive for me based on how many touches he gets.
1: Yeah, it's, it's hard to pay up for these guys. Um, and you're right, Trevor Lawrence needs to go to the Mark Sanchez, you know, school of uh, sliding. Remember when he went to uh, –
0: Yeah, it was Joe Girardi, wasn't Joe it? Joe Girardi
1: went to go teach him how to slide, you know. That's no joke. No, yeah, that it seriously happened, and he learn he knows how to, he needs to learn how to slide, or he's going to get killed out there. So,
0: um, do you, what do you feel about the receivers? Are you in, on the same page, or do you think you are going to take a chance? I mean, it, it might be more of a low lower owned play for these guys. I mean, I think last time I checked on DraftKings, Amari Rodgers was listed as out, so he might be really low percentage if people are setting their lineups before yeah. Thanksgiving. I don't know if that factors into your thinking at all.
1: Yeah, but Ross had, he hadn't had any hundred yard games, had he? No. Okay. Yeah, I'm probably going Higgins, just you know, thinking, hey, maybe Ross or Rodgers gets a little banged up. And Higgins seems to be the one guy he's shown upside this year, so probably going with him. Okay,
0: and then we X'd out South Carolina, so we can move to the Iron Bowl, which is Alabama at Auburn. The spread in this game is Alabama, minus 4.5. The over-under is 50.5. We can start with Alabama. Mac Jones is 6.6K. I don't know what you really make of him. Henry Ruggs III has been banged up. They said he's been practicing, but because of that, I'm not really interested in him. Najee Harris is 6.7K. So is Jerry Judy, and Devontae Smith has now moved ahead of Judy at 6.9K. I was kind of wondering when that would happen. It finds. It turns out it's the last game of the regular season when they actually make that move for Devontae Smith. What are you going to do here? I mean, Auburn's defense has been really good. So they're number 10 in yards per play allowed and Alabama actually is 118 in plays per game. So with the new quarterback here in a really tough environment, can you trust any of these guys?
1: No. Uh, Auburn is third in defensive FEI. Uh, I mean, they're elite. Uh, They were the one team to slow down LSU this year, Um, limit them a little bit. Mac Jones is going to give you a little bit less. Definitely not interested in him, no rushing. Um, It seems like he's locked on to Jerry Judy in the games he's played, so maybe some interest in Judy there. Um Najee Harris is the interesting guy for me. Uh six point seven K. What are you doing with Najee?
0: I don't know. I can't make up my mind. I mean he seems expensive, yeah. but he's been way more involved and they've been leaning on him. And this was even when when Tua initially had the ankle injury and even a little bit before that. And especially now with Mac Jones, they're gonna need him, but I mean you talked about Auburn's defense and we know how good their defensive line is it just scares me a little bit but he is capable of catching a few passes so yeah. he's fringy to me and it's one of those things we're recording on Wednesday night I just haven't made up my mind really on Alabama and how I want to attack them
1: right we we just haven't done a deep dive um into that game but when I do my deep dive I'm going to see you know how how many passes Alabama's or Auburn's letting up to running backs um I'm going to you know try to see how many touches I can forecast for Najee Harris there Uh, It could also be one of those things, too, with Auburn. If Auburn has a terrible game and Alabama completely shuts them down, you know, good field position. Next thing you know, Nadia airs the three touchdowns. So one of those things going on, too.
0: Okay, well, that's going to be, we're going to have to keep monitoring that as the week goes on. Let's move to Auburn. You X them out, and I completely understand that, especially with Booby Whitlow back at running back. They've kind of been splitting work. DJ Williams is 4.5K, and that was the area where I was a little bit interested. Alabama ranks in the 100s in stuff rate on their defensive line, and they actually have given up, I mentioned this in our picks preview, in the games against South Carolina, A&M, Ole Miss, and LSU, when they've given up the most points, they're giving up about 175 yards rushing per game in those four games, and Mm -hmm. and we know with Auburn that that's what they want to do, and that's what makes them go, so if they do have success on the ground, that can open up things for their offense, and even with Whitlow healthy, DJ Williams was the one who started the game last week, so uh, in the last couple weeks, so at 4.5k, I might give him a stab just, I mean, if he gets a touchdown or if he's getting the work early, as I mentioned, or if he breaks off a big run or something, he could get his value back pretty easily, and I don't know how popular it will be to play any of these Auburn guys but alabama's not the same defense that we've seen from them in years past so that was the one guy i wanted to mention Uh, these other guys are a little too expensive they have some upside in case they run some trick plays or if they really open up their offense or anything but uh, dj williams is going to be the guy that i stick with at 4.5 i don't know how much of him i'll actually have but that's the one guy i at least wanted to talk about
1: yeah it's interesting i mean looking at the advanced stats and seeing alabama you know 43rd in um defensive running success rate with the schedule they've had is uh not used to seeing that.
0: Yeah, definitely not. And with a running quarterback it might open some things up for the ring. But like we said, I mean he splits with, with Booby Whitlows and, right. and Sean Shivers even a little bit too. So I guess that's
1: split. yeah, I I'd like him more if he didn't split.
0: Yeah, well, it's just the fact that he's the starter and he's way cheaper. I mean, he's 1400 less than Whitlow, so mm. I, I might sneak him in and just if I'm looking for savings or whatever. Because we were talking about it. Savings do seem a little tough this week, so I guess we'll just sure. see how that one goes. But I at least thought that was worth mentioning. Uh, we, we can keep moving then to Notre Dame at Stanford. The spread, this one's Notre Dame, minus 16.5. Over under is 51.5. Let's start with Notre Dame. Ian Book at 8.3K is one of the more expensive players on the slate. Do you like his rushing upside enough? I mean, he's going to have to put up some pretty big numbers, probably either get a rushing touchdown or hit the 300-yard passing bonus and have a few more touchdowns, it seems like, to be able to hit that value. Stanford has really just been falling apart, though, and you know, we saw when a guy like Anthony Gordon was 8.5, he threw for over 500 yards. And that was without any rushing, you know, upside or anything with him. So Ian Book wouldn't have to throw for quite as many if he does get some rushing. So how do you feel about him at a price like that?
1: Uh, I need to watch the weather here. Um, I'm seeing like half inch of rain, 15 to 20 mile per hour winds Mm. in Palo Alto of all places, which is weird. You kind of expect perfect weather out there. Um, So if it's bad weather like that, there's no sense playing any quarterback, let alone Ian Book at 8.3K. Um, and that would be a big bump down to the pass catchers, Chase Claypool, 6.5, and Cole Komet, the tight end, at 5.7K. Um, if the weather clears up, Chase Claypool, you know, 6.5, you can just play him by himself. Um, it seems like in the last couple games, he's him and Book have really developed uh, a connection there, you know, some of the back shoulder throws, some of the, you know, all that kind of stuff. He's really stepped up, you know, for Notre Dame when they needed him here, um, lately at least. Um, he's Man. got... 17, 7, 9, and 12 targets in his last four games. Well,
0: it's good to hear about that weather because, I mean, I was ready to pound Claypool. I I mean, I was going to play him like crazy, so – I mean, at a price like that. Okay, so Tony Jones Jr. then is 5.6. I mean, it seems like Notre Dame's going to be able to score in this game no matter what, some one way or another. So if the weather is bad, do you like Tony Jones Jr. there? I mean, we were talking in the Boston College game, Jafar Armstrong didn't get any work. Jameer Smith, I think, only had three carries. So it seems like the backfield is pretty much all to Tony Jones Jr. at this point.
1: Yeah, so the Notre Dame running stats are all messed up because they've had guys going in and out of injuries all year long. You know, Jafar Armstrong didn't play for a little bit. bit. Tony Jones was banged up for a little bit. Um, It's kind of a hot hand approach at Notre Dame. Jones is not your cash game play. He is a, hey, he can get 25, 30 carries when times are good, and Brian Kelly just says, hey, we're just going to run the ball. Or other games, he'll just get six or seven, and Brian Kelly abandon the run and throw the ball the entire game. You just don't know what Tony Jones at 5.6K. What I'm saying is you can't trust him in cash. He's the GPP play.
0: Well, it's one of those things, too. You know, Stanford's defense is 95th in yards per play, so you, that, that looks good. But it's one of those things that you were talking about. It, you mentioned the weather, but when it was even worse weather than that in the Michigan game, that didn't stop Brian Kelly from wanting to throw the ball all over the yard anyway. Okay. So that's kind of the scary thing with this game.
1: Yeah, unbelievable. Uh, and, yeah, Stanford has been bad on defense. I mean, I got them 119th in um, success rate against a run in defense this year. So that, that would – that's a good stat for Tony Jones right there.
0: Okay, we X'd out Stanford, so we can keep moving to the next game uh, for the Platypus Cup. Oregon State there we at go. Oregon, yeah, right. Uh, the, the spread this one's Oregon minus nineteen and a half. The over under is sixty five and a half. I guess the question here will start with Oregon State. Jake Luton or Jake Luton is seven point one at quarterback. Jamar Jefferson is 5.6 at running back. Artavis Pierce is 6,000 at running back. I was a little surprised to see him more expensive than Jefferson. Jefferson's carries have been going up the past few weeks. He was banged up and injured for a lot of the season, but he's gone from, I think it was 8 to 14 to 21 carries or something like that over the last few weeks. So at $400 less... He at least seemed a little bit interesting to me, but my question is Is Oregon able to bounce back? And we've seen them get exposed on their past defense when they've they've played, you know, Washington, Washington State, Arizona State, those type of teams. They know they're playing in the Pac 12 championship game anyway. So, what is their motivation here? And would you be looking to attack at receiver or running back? Or what are you thinking for on the Oregon State side?
1: So, you're an Oregon State guy, Jake, and I got to, because you're a pretty humble guy. So, Jake is. Projected to go eight two and one in your preseason over unders. I think.
0: Yeah, that's what it looks like right now. I mean, Maryland is plus twenty two at Michigan yeah. State. If they win, that will push. Okay. West Virginia is about plus thirteen at TCU. If they won, that would push. So I'll be eight gotcha. two and one if both those teams lose. I'll be six two and three if they both win, or seven two and two if it's one and one or whatever. I can't lose any more than two gotcha. out of eleven.
1: Okay. Fortunately, I'm going to go 4-1, I think. Um, big egg in my face being Wisconsin. Anyways. Um, so <laughs> say that You're a, one
0: lock and the other four hit.
1: Oh, um, unbelievable. Uh, but anyways, Oregon State, I bring that up. You had the up. over. So, you know Oregon State. You've been watching a lot of their games that aren't on the Pac-10 network, um, Pac-12 network. So, I'm going to turn this one over to you and see what you think on Oregon. Because there's also some motivation kind of going on here that I'm just not sure what Oregon team we're going to get.
0: Yeah, well, in Jamar Jefferson, I just talked about at the running back situation, I would play him over Pierce for sure if I were to do that. I'm not going to play Luton. He doesn't have any rushing upside. Isaiah Hodgins at 7.8K is just so expensive at receiver. Uh, CJ Flemings, I I wonder about him. He's stepped up a little bit lately. He's only 4.8K. He's 5'5", 140 pounds, so he is just a tiny guy, but uh, you know, he's done pretty well at 4.8. I do have a little bit of interest in him. And if I were to play anybody out of the receivers on Oregon state, because it looks like Trayvon Bradford, who was back, he was out most of the season, came back and then got hurt again. It sounds like he's probably going to be out again and they actually lowered his price down to 4.4. So if we find out that he's going to play, I'd be a little bit interested there, but it seems like with him out, then Fleming's is the number two guy at 4.8. So I would be interested there, and I think he might be worth a flyer just because, as I could talk about, we don't really know what we're going to get out of Oregon here, and they had given up 710 yards or something like that, right around there, to Washington and Washington State, and we made a note of that, and then they gave up over 400 to Arizona State, so it really does seem a little bit fluky that at the beginning of the year when Oregon, we've talked about this, was playing Nevada and Montana, and the first game for Bo Nix in that Auburn passing game, and Cal and Stanford and Colorado and those types of teams, and so they kind of had their defense propped up. I mean, they were number one in SP plus for a while. And it does seem like they've got exposed a little bit in the secondary. So I think it's worth a stab here in, in this kind of game, a rivalry game. This is one of the higher over-unders on the board. So if you can get a guy at 4.8K, I think that seems worth it. So Jefferson and Fleming's would be my guys. And then if we do find out that Bradford's going to play at 4.4, 4, I would look very closely at him, but just make sure that he's not going to be on limited snaps or anything like that. That sounds good to me. Okay, well, do you want to talk about Oregon then, Uh, the home team here, and just sort of what you see? I mean, Oregon State's defense is 117 in the defensive (laughs) explosive drive rate, 91 in yards per play, number 121 in plays allowed per game. So what are you looking at here with Oregon? Is this kind of a smash spot for them, or what do you think?
1: It's a smash spot in that they're going to score a lot of points. Uh, For us fantasy players, it's rather difficult, um, especially at the running back position. Um, C.J. Verdell and Travis Dye, they split carries all the way up and down the field. Then they get to the five-yard line, and this Cyrus Habibi Likio guy, 4.8K, has um, just become the goal line specialist. Had another two touchdowns last week. Literally two carries, two touchdowns. Um, so it's really a three-headed monster in the backfield. So as good as the matchup is, and it's an awesome matchup for these running backs against Oregon State. You really can't play them. Um, Justin Herbert, 7.7K. He just hasn't run the ball this year. He's just not doing that in Oregon's offense. Um he could do three hundred yards and three touchdowns, but I'm just I, I feel like that's his upside right there. Um the wide receivers are where it's interesting. So ever since uh Jacob Breeland, the tight end, got hurt, um it's been either Johnny Johnson, the third at five point six K or Juwan Johnson at five point six K, which is hysterical because they're both Jay Johnson when you look on DraftKings. So you have to make sure you press the right guy. Or it might actually be better than just to guess and see which guy you like there. Um because both of them have kind of alternated big games here lately. Do you have a favorite, Jake, between Johnny and Juwan? Uh
0: Not really. I mean, I'll probably play a little bit of both. I mean, Johnny Johnson the third I think would be more popular because he had the monster week last week. But Jawan Johnson has been pretty reliable himself. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe Johnny Johnson the third would be more of the tournament guy. Jawan Johnson more of a cash guy. But I mean, I think that they can both—they're both playable really in any spot.
1: Sounds good. Just got to get the right Johnson. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it, I'm surprised that Jalen Red at 5.8 is more expensive than both of them. Yeah. And then Spencer Webb at tight end at 4,000. I mean, he has had a couple touchdowns since Breland went down, but I, I just don't really know if I – maybe if I'm desperate for savings or something like that, I could look at him. But when he was 3.4 earlier in the year, he was a lot more interesting. Sure. I hear you there. Uh, I actually do think I'm going to play Verdell, though, at running back. If he can – I feel like he's got a, a really good chance to get a 100-yard bonus. So, you okay. know – I don't know. I, it's just, I, I'm having a really hard time with running backs this week. I mean, like a really hard time. It's I'm like having a hard time even come up, coming up with two or three. So, I, you know, I, I do hate the fact that Habibi Leikio does get the goal line carries. So maybe Verdell could break a long run or something and then to have a hundred yards and a touchdown, you start getting there. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, you, you hit it pretty well though on that one. Um, all right. Well, if you're done with that, well, we can get into the B picky tier. It's Louisville at Kentucky, the spread. And this one is Kentucky minus three and a half. The over under is 52 and a half. We'll start with Louisville. Uh, the thing I found interesting in this one is just sort of the contrast of styles here. Kentucky is number two in the nation and the fewest plays allowed per game. And Louisville's defense is number 109. And they, they allow so basically about the 20th most. So it kind of worries me with Lynn Bowden Jr. being the quarterback. We can talk about them in a second at Kentucky, though. It seems like maybe they have a chance to control the ball a lot. So does that worry you with the Louisville guys in this situation, or are you still going to fire away on them? It seems like the prices went up on all of these guys after last week.
1: Yeah. So I don't know how much you fall horse racing. You fall horse racing a little bit? I do not. Okay, so I I don't really – you know, unless, you know, for the big, big time races, whatever, I'll dabble, whatever, just to have some fun. Uh, but anyway, sometimes, you know, when a horse is racing at a, uh, just a regular track, say it's like River Downs here in Cincinnati, then he goes up the Churchill Downs and races, we call that horse going up in class. And that's what Louisville has here. You know, you're, you're going from the ACC and some of these powder puff defenses that run super fast to an SEC defense, uh, plays slow and has a, are a lot better players than you're accustomed to in the ACC. Uh, so yes, I am mightily concerned, um, about Louisville this week.
0: Is there anybody that you have your eye on at all for that? Uh,
1: Tutu Atwell is the guy. So he's 6.4 K, but this guy just, he just can't stop getting targets. Um, he, you know, he, he, he's only getting eight targets a game, but he has over a thousand yards and 11 touchdowns. Yeah. So you gotta like that big playability. Um, can you do it against Kentucky? I don't know, but, you know, he's the one guy from Louisville I'd be interested in.
0: Okay, let's move to the Kentucky side of things, and I, I agree with you on that well. Um, so, Lynn Bowden Jr., is I was wondering where he'd be listed. I was like, would they actually list him at quarterback, or they did they have him in the system at receiver and they would keep it there? They do have him as a quarterback at 7.3K. And its I don't have any receivers listed for Kentucky or anything. It's basically all running game. And Louisville's defense is 101 in defensive explosive drive rate, 99 in yards per play allowed. I had talked about their 109 in plays allowed per game. So if Kentucky has a chance to control the ball here, and we're just basically looking at him as a running back and anything kind of like Malcolm Perry, it seems like, last week was for Navy.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's – um you got to treat him like a running back. You know, I've been through his passing stats and the dude throws for like 50 yards a game. Like he's like, he's basically a running back. Um, and that's how you're going to want to treat him. Louisville has been pretty bad against the run. Uh, but you question, and it's almost a weird offense to kind of prepare for because they're going to run the ball every single play. Um, it's just coming out of the shotgun. So it's kind of a different kind of option type look is what they're running. Um, So it might be harder to prepare for than some people think, you know, uh, with just a week to go. Um, It's a little harder to move around your defense than people think. Uh, So Lynn Bowden, you have to just not think of him as a quarterback, think of him as a running back at 7.3K. And and that said, I I am on the fence with him.
0: If you do happen to get a a passing touchdown or something too, then that is just a bonus. You know, maybe in a rivalry game here, if they have something dialed up, some sort of trick play or something – I'm going to be in on him just because he's one of my favorite players in college football, and Kentucky has not been on the slate since he's been listed at quarterback. And I'm going to be watching this game, and I love this rivalry game, so it, it's just going to be fun for me to have him going. And, I mean, that's that's about yeah. the squarest thing you can say, but, I mean, it's Thanksgiving week, and I'm going to be watching a lot of football, so I at least might as well have some fun with it. So, yeah, and he, he has upside, too. I mean, he has rushed yeah. For I think over 200 yards once. He had 196 in one of the games. So, you know, it's no joke. I mean, he could easily end up with 150 rushing yards and two touchdowns. like I said, who knows if they have something dialed up in the passing game at all, because it really can catch you off guard when they run 12 plays in a row. And then all of a sudden they sneak someone out or try something else. So yeah, yeah, I I am going to play him just because like you were saying, Louisville's defense is bad, but then there's sort of a a cluster with the running backs with AJ Rose at 5.3 Cavassier smoke at 5.2. And then Christopher Rodriguez jr. is 3.7. Those guys all seem to be splitting work. So I, you know, if you're going to have anyone on Kentucky, it almost seems like you'd have to go really cheap with Christopher Rodriguez jr. And hope he breaks one off or I don't know. Cavassier smoke at 5.2. Isn't that expensive, but all these guys seem to be right around between like eight to 12 carries.
1: Yeah. It's hard, hard picking who's going to get the workload. I agree with you there. Rodriguez or bust. Um, One thing about Kentucky, you know, and this is the spirit of horse racing because it's a, you know, horse racing country in Kentucky and Louisville, Kentucky is moving down in class. So it's almost like you're at, uh, you know Beltower park here in um northern kentucky and a horse is coming down from churchill downs the race you'll see people lined up at the betting window to uh take that horse because he's down in class and that's the that's what we're getting here with kentucky
0: hey all right i love it um okay well let's move to the next game it's ohio state at michigan the spread this one's ohio state minus nine and a half the over under is 51 and a half bob i gotta tell you I might be Xing out this game altogether because the, wow. the weather the weather scares me to death. It sounds like it's going to be some sleet and just kind of nasty and, and windy also. Justin Fields, it sounds like his thumb is a little bit messed up, so he fumbled twice last week. I, they have bigger fish to fry. I don't know how much they're really going to want to do with him. At, at Michigan's both these are very good defenses, top five defenses. I just don't know what to do in this game. I mean, cause Shea Patterson has been playing better, but with the weather, you know, we X them out altogether. So, I mean, is it just JK Dobbins here? Because I know you don't normally like to play Ohio state receivers. So what are you thinking sure. with Ohio state then?
1: I I'm, I'm, I've seen the weather is okay. i I see about 10 to 15 mile per hour winds. Um, maybe some light precipitation. The, the forecast I'm looking at right now looks like it's going to hold off until after the game. Mm. Um, but, yes, I, I fade Ohio State wide receivers, especially with Justin Fields, who has yet to, I think, throw for – he hadn't thrown for 300 yards. I'm not sure he's even got to 250 this year. Um, he could still do well, though, but he, I think he'll take some stacks in this one. Um, J.K. Dobbins is the interesting guy for me, 8.1K. I mean, this dude got, like, 36 carries last week. And even at – you know, he was pretty inefficient, but even at four yards a pop, 36 carries, you happen to get two touchdowns. You're going to hit value for sure. I um, mean, it's hard to find running backs who are going to get 36 carries. Uh, and if the weather is worse, yeah, they might even get some more, you know. It, they're, they're not going to run the ball any less with the weather being bad. So I, I think Dobbins has to be in our player pool just with that workload. It's just so, so high. And if Michigan starts to turn the ball over with, you know, Shea Patterson, give him a couple short fields, game gets out of hand. Every year we talk about this. It's like, oh, is this going to be the year Michigan takes Ohio State down? Every single year, and what happens every single year? Ohio State dominates every single year. Um, so I guess, and you know, until it doesn't happen, we got to still play Ohio State guys here.
0: So is it just Dobbins?
1: Yeah, just Dobbins in this matchup. Maybe Fields because if he gets rushing touchdowns, he could do it. But I'm preferably on Dobbins.
0: Yeah, I'm way, way, way worried about fields at 8.7. But yeah, yeah, Dobbins at 8.1 is extremely fringy to me. There's another expensive running back I think I would prefer over him. Okay. I, at the end of the day, I just don't know if I can do it. I completely understand where you're coming from with his volume, and that's exactly what we're looking for. But I don't know. Something just doesn't sit right with me in that one this week. We'll just have to see, though. Um, all right. Well, we x out Michigan, like we said, so we can move to the next one. It's Tulsa at East Carolina. The spread in this one's Tulsa minus 5.5. The over-under is 60.5. We will start with Tulsa. I I didn't know for sure, and then I I looked into it because I know Zach Smith had been banged up, so Seth Boomer was playing a little bit. But Zach Smith is back, and he's only 5.4K, and East Carolina's defense is horrendous. They're 109 in defensive explosive drive rate, 118 in yards per play allowed, at number 112 in plays allowed per game. So a a Tulsa quarterback here at 5.4K, tell me why I shouldn't be playing him.
1: He's not that great. (laughs) Um you can definitely play him because you're right. East Carolina's defense—they're I mean, terrible. Um, 114th in S&P uh, success rate against the pass. So Zach Smith—he might take some negative plays. He will take a lot of sacks. Um, but if you can get you know 250 yards and three touchdowns from him, you're, you're almost hitting value right there.
0: Yeah, I mean he threw for 381 last week against Houston. So you yeah. know, when he's got a couple other 300-yard games. He's got four other 300-yard games, it looks like, on the year. So, you know, with that chance there, if he can throw for that and even just 300 yards and two touchdowns, you're right there, and he is super cheap. So I, I don't know. So Shamari Brooks is at running back at 5.6. It looks like Keelan Stokes has kind of taken over a little bit at receiver at 5.7 and Sam Crawford Jr. at 5.4. Would you do any kind of stack here? Would you play Brooks on his own? What are you thinking with any of those other guys on the supporting cast?
1: Um, so with Zach Smith at 5.4K – He's the type of guy you definitely want to stack. You know, we want to stack the non-rushing quarterbacks. Um, And then Keylon Stokes, like you said, he's kind of taken over as of late. Um, He leads the team 8.7 targets per game. Crawford's not far behind him at 8.2. It's just that Stokes has almost 300 yards more receiving than he does. So it's like, yeah, I'm going to pay the $300 to get Stokes in this matchup. Uh, But Crawford is definitely viable.
0: Uh, You wouldn't do both of them with Smith, would you?
1: you you know you could you could um you know last week um their last game stokes got 13 and Crawford got 15 targets so yes it's, but, it's it's doable yeah
0: and we talked about i mean this over under is 60 and a half and east yeah. carolina's defense has been so bad i mean and that would open up i mean all those guys are so cheap that i mean you could play a lot of higher price guys with the rest of your lineup so that's just at least something to think about um okay shamari brooks at 5.6 at running back is he fringy to you or are you thinking about putting him in, in a couple lineups, where, where are you at with that?
1: Yeah, you know, when you look at the slate, um, it's hard sledding for running backs. And yeah. East Carolina has given up 221 per game on the ground. So as bad <laughs> as Tolkien's running game has been, um, you got to think they find some success here uh, with Shamari Brooks at 5.6K. And, and he's a guy who has carry upside. You know, he can he get 20 or so carries fairly easily. Um, and at 5.6K, we'll take that.
0: I do kind of wonder also, you know, Tulsa's not the best team. They don't have a great record. They're on the road here. There's a ton of other rivalry games and high profile. You know, we've talked about Ohio State and Clemson and Alabama. I wonder if these guys will be a little bit lower owned. I don't know how how deep on Thanksgiving week people are really going to dive into Tulsa.
1: You know, when you first started saying that, Jake, I was thinking like, maybe he's going to talk about like Tulsa not having any motivation in this game. You know, Um, just something that popped in my head
0: they've played a lot of close games and it just, I don't know. It doesn't feel like they've really quit. I and It might be Philip yeah. Montgomery's last game. If they end up firing him, I don't think they should. I, but anyway, we could talk about that at another time. Um, okay. So for East Carolina, uh, Holton, Aylers, your guy is 7.2 K CJ Johnson. Your other guy is 5.8. Are those the main guys you're looking at on East Carolina?
1: It's hard not to like those guys. Um, yeah. Ehlers has that rushing upside. We like, um, and also, you know, with East Carolina, Tyler Snead is not far behind um, C.J. Johnson. Uh, oh, C.J. Johnson had that
0: huge
1: game against University of Cincinnati um, where he put up 200-something yards. Uh, however, if you take that game out, Snead has more uh, yards on the season um, and has more touchdowns than C.J. Johnson. So I wouldn't sleep on Tyler Snead at 5.4K in this matchup.
0: Very interesting.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, that's good to know for sure. All right. Well, that's that's good to hear on the Tulsa East Carolina thing because those are teams that I know less about. So it's good to know that there are some options there. Um, all right. Well, let's get into the next one, which is Wisconsin at Minnesota. The spread. In this one's Wisconsin minus two and a half. The over under is forty six and a half. This is another one where it seems like there's going to be some sketchy weather and some sleet and uh, you know. So Jonathan Taylor at eight point five K. He's had three straight 200 yard games, so this is what I was thinking: is I I would play him over Dobbins. Okay. Minnesota's been pretty weak up the middle. They were last time I checked, they were like 114 in stuff rate or something like that. So, we know what Wisconsin wants to do, and if if their offensive line can move Minnesota out of the way and they can keep you know manageable situations for themselves, it seems like Taylor could have a big game here. I mean, because they're not they, they were like in the 70s in line yards, also.
1: Yeah, 74 in defensive line yards.
0: So, I mean, are you? making a stand and picking Dobbins over Taylor? Or are you going to have both of those guys in different lineups? What do you think in there? Is that, is, is that the only way – I mean, is it even worth looking at anybody else on Wisconsin with this potential bad weather? Because I think it's going to be a little windier.
1: Yeah, it, it, I'm going to have to do a deep dive. As of right now, I'm going to have shares of both and kind of mix and match there. Um, but I, I need to do a deep dive on this game. And the weather, you know, heck, we're only Wednesday. You know, usually record this on Thursday. We know exactly what the weather's going to be. Not, or not exactly, but a better idea what the weather's going to be Saturday. Right. So by Friday, we'll have a better idea.
0: Okay, let's move to Minnesota then. Tanner Morgan is 6.1, Rodney Smith, 6,000, Rashad Bateman, 5.9, Tyler Johnson, 6.4. Those are the main guys for Wisconsin, or for Minnesota, I'm sorry. But are you worried about the passing game? Again, we kind of talked about the weather. Is this just sort of a wait-and-see kind of thing with Minnesota?
1: Yeah, the thing about Tanner Morgan, you know, and I've, I watched his highlight tape when he was at Ryle a couple years ago. UC should got him. Um, he is more of a touch passer. You know, he's not your guy to like zip it in there. The dude's only, oh, sure. like six foot, six one. And if there's any kind of wind, weather, that really is going to hurt him. Uh, so something to monitor there. So if there's any wind, I'm, I'm totally out in the passing game.
0: Okay, well, it sounds like for this game, we just need to keep an eye on the weather report and just see what that does as the week goes on. I mean, that's the best we can do, like we said, recording on Wednesday night. Yeah,
1: definitely.
0: Okay, well, let's get into the fantasy goodness tier, then, if you're ready for that. Wake Forest at Syracuse is the first game up there. The spread in this one is Wake Forest minus 4.5. The over-under is 65.5. And, And Bob, I got to tell you, I love this game. Yeah. You know, going into Thanksgiving, I'm not going to have any time on Thursday, obviously, to be looking at my lineups. Friday morning, the whole family's going to Frozen 2 with my nieces. (laughs) Nice. All right. (laughs) And going to be watching football games and stuff after that. That'll be in the morning. So it's like, I don't know how much time I'm going to really dedicate to setting a bunch of lineups and being on top of everything. Uh, You know, I'll have a little bit of time probably on Saturday morning to look at it more. But. I'm not going to be as on top of it as normal. So with this game being in a dome and being a faster paced game, I just feel yeah. so much better about playing players in this game. Cause we talked about, you know, we'll have to keep an eye on the the, the Michigan Ohio state game, the Wisconsin Minnesota game, those kind of games. And just across the Midwest and not knowing for sure what, what's going to do. You talked about the Stanford one as well. So in this one, this is sort of a, a smash spot for me where I can put these guys in and I know if worse comes to worse, I'm really not going to have to do anything there. Do you feel the same way on that one? Is that kind of why it's in this tier?
1: I absolutely feel the same way. And, you know, the more I think about it, if I'm Minnesota's head coach, PJ Fleck, knowing that seeing the matchup here, I'm calling up the Vikings saying, Hey, we need to move that game to in that dome because it'll definitely be at our advantage against Wisconsin.
0: Yeah. Um, No kidding.
1: Won't happen. But yes, in a dome, um, Syracuse plays super fast. Wake Forest plays super fast. There'll be tons of plays. Hell, we just saw Syracuse Louisville last, last week, just completely shot out. And we seen Wake Forest and Louisville. They shot out. So by, uh, you know, uh, what property is that in math?
0: Transitional property or something? Yeah,
1: something like that. This game should also shoot out, right? Um, anyway, yeah. yeah. So, I yeah, I absolutely love this game. Starts with QB, uh, Jamie Newman, 7.9K. He rushed the ball over 20 times last week. Um, and it just seems like, you know, without Scotty Washington, without Sage Chirrett, they're really leaning on Jamie Newman to carry a lot of the load, especially with his legs.
0: Yeah, I definitely like him there. And I like Kendall Hinton too, even though he's a little more expensive at 6.5K. You know, at receiver, without those guys, like you mentioned, they haven't been passing as a, they've been leaning more on the run. But what they have been doing is going to Hinton as hands down the number one guy. And then maybe Jack Freudenthal, the tight end, a little bit in shorter situations. But, you know, so I'll be playing Newman and Hinton. I'll be stacking them together. I'll be playing Newman on his own. And then also, Kate Kearney's at 5.3. He, I don't love him there, but I mean he could hit value easily. He seems more of like a cash game type to me. But Kenneth Walker the third, you mentioned Christian Beal Smith is no longer on the team, and Kenneth Walker the third is four point seven k. Just as far as his straight up talent, I don't know how much people have watched Wake Forest, but he's the guy of the future for them at running back as as a freshman. And if he gets even in the ballpark of the same amount of carries as Carney, I like him way better at six hundred dollars less. Even if Carney has twenty carries and Walker only has fifteen, I feel like Walker can do more with them and can bust long runs easier. So I think that I'm going to play Kenneth Walker III also. I don't know how I'll do it, if it'll be in a game stack kind of way. I don't know if I'll just play him on his own. If I'm trying to find some cheaper things in my lineup, so that's what I wanted to talk to you about, but just as far as his pure talent goes, I I really like him, so would you work him in with other guys on Wake Forest, or in some sort of a a game stack if you play anyone on Syracuse, or, I mean, because Syracuse defense, 118 in defensive explosive drive rate, 105 in yards per play, and you talked about the pace, Wake Forest is number two in plays per game, Syracuse defense is 120, and then Syracuse is number four in, in plays per game, and Wake Forest defense is number 98, so it really... It's just everywhere you look, this screams fast-paced game. So what what do you think about Kenneth Walker III?
1: I love him. Uh, I'm actually really surprised that he's not getting more work. Um, It it could be one of these coaching biases where they just love the seniors, and a guy like Kate Carney is like a team captain. You know, He's a high academic guy. He's a leader on the team. I I really think all those things are why he's getting carries because if you look at the stats, Kate Carney is 3.8 yards per carry in the year. Kenneth Walker's over six yards per carry. And watched, you watched you watch them play. Walker's a way better running back. So maybe that you know this Beale Smith guy being out, maybe this finally gives Walker a chance to shine.
0: Well, I, I definitely like him. So let's move to Syracuse like I was talking about, would you do any kind of game stack here just with how fast paced it's going to be? Yeah. Is that the only way you would get anyone in, on Syracuse in your lineups or would you play any of these guys on their own? Tommy DeVito's at 6.6. Mo Neal, who seems like he's been getting a decent workload is at 6.3 and Tristan Jackson is 6.8. So how do you feel about that?
1: Yeah. It seems like, uh, Syracuse has like revolutionized their offense lately and they've gone extremely run heavy, like crazy run heavy, like two to one ratio run to pass. Um, so, so they're only giving up you know, 500 yards of offense instead of 600 yards of offense to the opposition. Um, Tommy DeVito, 6.6K. With this change in philosophy, I'm just not interested in him. He has no rushing upside. And Tristan Jackson, a little less interested in him. His targets have really taken a hit the last game. Um, he's a guy that's 36 this year in targets in NCAA. But the last two games, he's only seen five and four targets. I'm not paying 6.8K for a guy who's only seen that five and four targets the last couple of games.
0: Yeah, that's really unfortunate because I would love to be able to play him, but yeah, it just doesn't seem it. So Mo Neal at 6.3. I think, like I said, it's just so hard for me to find running backs this week. I think I will actually have a little bit of him if I can afford it. Uh, you're not looking for anything. I mean, he could, He doesn't get a ton of receiving yards, but he does catch a couple passes. So, you know, if he gets two catches for even 15 yards and gets 20 carries, he could get the 100-yard bonus and maybe a touchdown and kind of at least hold serve for me. I, I'm not that excited about it, but, uh, you know, like I said, it, it, I don't think he's going to kill you or anything like that. Yeah, I'm in the
1: exact same boat with uh, with monial
0: Okay, well, let's move into the last game then, which is going to be Tulane at SMU. The spread, this one is SMU minus four and a half to over under 71 and a half. We had two lane last week, and we kind of talked about how when they're up, they like to run the ball. When they're down, they like to pass the ball. And McCleskey at receiver hadn't really done a whole lot, ends up with, I think, 77 yards and a touchdown. He's still at 4.5K. And Justin McMillan, the quarterback, only had one total touchdown, which was the passing touchdown, but he had the 100-yard rushing bonus, and he has been rushing like crazy. It's been, I think, around 60 yards or more, 60, 70, and over 100 in that range for the last three weeks. So he's 6.4, only up $100 from last week. With this high of an over-under, do you see this is one of those games where they might be losing and have to kind of speed things up and pass a little bit more? So would you pair those guys together? Are you playing McMillan on his own? Is there anyone I missed for Tulane?
1: Um, yeah, this game could definitely shoot out. If you look at uh, SMU games lately, um, they allowed 51 points to East Carolina, 35 to Navy, 48 to Memphis, 31 to Houston, 21 to Temple, and 37 to Tulsa you know triple overtime so those games have definitely uh, definitely uh, shot out um, Tulane you're looking at Darnell Mooney at wide receiver he's their top guy um, 70 targets in the year 617 and five uh, Jalen McCleskey he actually doesn't really get a ton of targets he should but he doesn't in this game two five and three the last three games um, so darnell Mooney would be the stack for me uh, but Justin Mcmillan He's a guy you really don't have to stack. I mean, he's going to run the ball so much. I mean, he has 15, 20 carry upside in this game. Um, you, You don't have to stack him.
0: Oh, that's good to hear. I, I mean, I really like him. I played him in a couple lineups last week, and like I said, he only had one passing touchdown, but he was still able to get there on value with, with that rushing upside. So, okay, let's move to SMU then. These guys seem pretty expensive. Shane Bouchelle's at 7.9K, Xavier Jones at 7.5, James Prochet at 8.2, and then Granson and Rice are 5.5 5 and 4.5. We've had them on a few of these slates lately, so we're a little more familiar with their players by now are they too expensive for you or in the fantasy goodness tier, do you kind of have to pay up for a couple of these guys? How are you looking at this?
1: Yeah, I like these guys. Um, their offense has been so dynamic. They've, they scored on everyone. Um, you know, them putting up, you know, 48 points against Memphis, who has a lot better defense than people think is super impressive. Um, Navy in a slow pace game last week, 28 points. Other than that game, the lowest number of points they scored the entire year is thirty-seven. Oh wow! Um, I mean, they put forty-one points up on TCU, and TCU is a good defense. Um, so, I, I, yes, I, I think we have to be interested um, in, in SMU in this game. I mean, they're thirteenth in F defensive FEI or offensive FEI. They're, this is a good, good offense led by uh, Shane Buchel. So, my question is: What are your favorite plays here? Are you playing multiple plays? What are you doing here, Jake?
0: I I don't really know yet. This is one of those ones where I haven't been able to dig in as much as I like, you you know, just instant reaction is, you know, James Prochet 8.2. It seems expensive, but the thing we've talked about with him all year is I think it's like he's had at least seven catches in every game or all, but one game or something has had a touchdown in just about every game. So his floor is just so high, and if he has any kind of big game here, he could really go off. So, yeah, he seems expensive, but I might be able to try to squeeze him in. I don't know about Bouchelle, and I don't know about Xavier Jones. It, it seems like Rice and Granson. I'll have to dig in there and see what I really want to do. Uh, but I think I'll have one or the other.
1: Yeah, yeah. no, I hear you. Um, Prochet is actually number one in college football on targets. Yeah. 12.7 per game.
0: And what about Xavier Jones at 7.5? How do you feel about him? I mean, I know that he's had a ton of yeah. touchdowns this year. So, I mean, is that really what we're hoping for, is if he gets 100 yards and it has the touchdown upside?
1: Yeah, it's kind of like we want to play one or the other here. Um, two lanes, giving up 172 in the ground. Um, they're 79th in uh, success rate against the run. So, yeah, there should be some opportunity here. And with SMU, I mean, heck, they, they scored 40 points per game, which always you know, gives the opportunity for Xavier Jones to have you know, a couple of one or two yard touchdown runs. So I, I think we have to be interested. Well,
0: they're in a home spot here in Dallas. So you figure the weather there is not going to be as bad as it's going to be in the Midwest. So, I mean, that could be something that helps them too if it's a, a clear day and a little bit warmer yeah. than these other spots and a home game for them. So, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to look at that one more as the week goes on as well. Let's get into some of the key injuries we talked about, a little bit about Trayvon Bradford, the receiver for Oregon State, it, if he's questionable. And then the receivers for Clemson, Justin Ross and Amari Rogers, both seem probable. Lawrence Kager with the ankle injury in practice, it seems like he could be doubtful. And then Cotter Weddington, the receiver for Stanford, is out. Is there anyone else that you have come across? And, and which ones of those are, are the biggest ones for you as you're looking at as the week goes
1: on? Well, it seems like a light injury week, doesn't it? Yeah, it definitely does. Um, it's got to be the Clemson wide receivers, Justin Ross and Rogers. Um Clemson has been pretty good about, hey, guys are in, guys are out. So I'm not really concerned, but it's it's certainly something to monitor.
0: Okay, let's get into our favorite plays of the week. Uh, we have $18,000 for a quarterback, running back, and receiver. So who did you come up with there this week?
1: I did Justin McMillan, 6.4K, Shamari Brooks, running back, 5.6K, and I went with Jay Johnson at 5.6K for Morgan.
0: <laughs> Jay Johnson the third, or just Jay Johnson, or take your pick.
1: I think I'm go Jawan Johnson, but I like both of them. It's a coin flip.
0: Leave it up to the listener.
1: That's right.
0: <laughs> okay, for me, I I hate my team. I reworked it late, and I kind of yeah. wish I didn't. But I have Zach Smith for Tulsa at 5.4. C.J. Verdell for Oregon at 6.5. Really iffy on that one. And then C.J. Johnson for East Carolina at 5.8. But the more you talked about the other guy at 5.4, who was a Tyler Sneed or something like that. So. Yeah. I'm going to have to look more into that situation. I'm not so sure. I mean, I, I feel le- I feel less confident about my favorite plays this week than I probably have all season long, especially at running back and receiver there. So Uh, That's something I'm going to have to keep looking at as as the week goes on. Before we close this thing out, Bob, I wanted to do a Thanksgiving theme. We like to do $18,000 for our favorite three plays. So we're going to eat $18,000 for our favorite three Thanksgiving dishes. So if you're ready, I'm going to go over some of these dishes and some of the prices and see what you came up with building a little lineup for yourself. Does that sound good?
1: Yeah. So real quick, so this is a traditional Thanksgiving. You know, there isn't a bunch of – you know, well, you know, it's our family and We do this weird stuff, um, which I'm all for. You know, I'm all for the more food, the merrier. If you look at me, I've never turned out a meal. Uh, but this, this is traditional Thanksgiving Thanksgiving items that are pretty much universally uh, on each person's list. So, just a, just a disclaimer there.
0: Yeah, we don't wanna feel like we're snubbing anyone, leaving out their ants, their favorite ants, you know, yeah. dish that they've had their whole lives. So exactly. okay, well I'm gonna go over these. Turkey is seven point five K, mashed potatoes six point 6. six, pumpkin pie is six point three K, sweet potatoes are five point six. Green bean casseroles 5.4k, cranberries 5.2k, rolls are coming in at 5,000. Mm. Stuffing is 4.7k, corn 4.4, 4. gravy at 4.1, and a side salad at 3.5. So with all of those, Bob, you have eighteen thousand dollars to put something together.
1: What do you What do you got? Boy, it almost feels like a maxion slate, Jake. You didn't make the pricing very tough on me. You know, I think I'm gonna leave some money on the table just like I would on a maxion slate. Um, Man, this is going to be another anti-American take. It, it just sounds like on this podcast, you know, I sound like the most anti-American guy. That, that's totally not the case um, for people that know me. But I'm going to bypass Turkey and I'm going to go with sweet potatoes at 5.6K. You just can't go wrong with sweet potatoes. Uh, put a little pecan stuff on top, just delicious. So that's going to be the cornerstone of my team, um, sweet potatoes, 5.6K. What about you, Jake? What's your number one pick here?
0: My number one's turkey. I mean, you have to do it. And for my family thing this year, we're actually doing a smoked turkey and a regular one. Wow. And okay. Yeah. And I, I, my dad has like this big smoker that he does outside. So that's going to add an extra wrinkle to it. So it's 7.5 K I'm paying up for the turkey and you'll see why in a minute when I go with number two, but what okay. is your second?
1: So, so have you guys smoked this in the past? What's going on here?
0: Now, first year doing that. My dad okay. just loves having the smoker. He throws whole chickens on there, pork, all kinds of stuff like that, ribs all the time. Okay. So we decided to be kind of fun. I mean, we're doing the regular one, and then we're going to have smoked also. So we'll have two turkeys.
1: Well, you hope to give us a recap next week of how that is.
0: Hey, well, living in Kansas City, you've got to barbecue and smoke everything you can no matter what.
1: So Valid, valid point. Um, so my number two is stuffing at 4.7K. OK, uh, wow. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of people, you know, you look at stuff and you're like, hey, eh, maybe it ain't that good. But if you're someone who knows how to make some darn good stuffing, I mean, that that stuff is unbelievable. You know, I'm a person where you can give me as many carbs as, you know, as possible. I'm just going to dial it down. <laughs> There's a tough choice between rolls and stuffing. But at the end of the day, you you get rolls, you know, 365 days a year if you want. You get stuffing about once a year. So I'm going to take advantage of the opportunity and lock that in at four point seven k.
0: Yeah, I mean rolls in there at five thousand, they're pretty affordable. It's one of those things that kind of can hold the meal together. But yeah, I, I agree with you. Ultimately, my number two is actually gravy at four point one.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Uh, yeah, well, I paid up for the turkey so much at seven point five, so I had <laughs> to go with something a little bit cheaper. Yeah, and you know, I'm not going to have gravy with the smoked turkey, I don't think. But with the regular one, I mean, yeah. you just absolutely have to have it. I mean, it it, yeah. it, it kind of ties everything together. So. So far, I have turkey and gravy, and I've spent 11.6 uh, on those. So, what's your last one?
1: Well, I feel like uh, Tony and Ray Ruberg are going to get on me for this one. But, uh, you ready for this one?
0: I don't know if I am, Bob.
1: So, I went with a green bean casserole. All right. So, green bean casserole in the state of Kentucky might be a little different than green bean casserole you get somewhere else.
0: Oh, let's hear about it.
1: Well, listen, everything you make in the state of Kentucky is, is not healthy. You know, it's like. Uh, Carrots, like no one just eats just carrots. You know, you eat carrots that are glazed, you know, all kinds of stuff on them. You know, it's never just the plain vegetable. It's always like got to throw a little little extra juice in that one. So that's what we're getting out of green bean casserole. A little bit of green beans, but a lot of goodness in there. And so I locked in green bean casserole, 5.4K.
0: Man, you left a lot of money on the board, but you went for all the sides here, it seems like. So is that your your go-to uh, on uh, the actual meal?
1: You know, when I, when I walked by well, – what. It's, I, I think it's you know appropriate to just get a little bit of each, you know, make the host feel happy. You tell everyone, you know, hey, your rolls were good, your stuffings was good, and barb, your corn was delicious. You know, you just get a little bit of everything. You know, you kind of work the room a little bit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, you, you try everything out. The turkey. If I have too much of that, I'll be taking a nap on the couch watching football. So, um, hey,
0: that's understandable.
1: Yeah, that, that's just that's just where I stand.
0: All right. Well, my last pick here is pumpkin pie at 6.3 K this is a big reason why I went with the gravy at 4.1 is so I could get the pumpkin pie in there at a more expensive price. So, I, I mean, the turkey and the pumpkin pie are my favorite things, and then being able to throw the gravy in for cheap with the turkey,
1: okay. that's just
0: the way to go for me. So you went with more of the sides, but I, I went more with the the number one thing and the side that goes with it, and then the dessert, because pumpkin pie, it's sort of how you talked about with stuffing, is you don't get it all the time, you know, it's it's sure. like a once a year kind of thing, or just a seasonal kind of thing, and after the meal, I save a little bit of room, even wait a couple hours or whatever, and then, yeah, get yourself a couple slices of that, It it nothing beats it, so... <laughs> I
1: I, I like it. Um I, I will say I'm I'm m i am i am bet like twenty percent of our listeners are the same way. eighty percent of the listeners are probably, you know, dialing up the pumpkin pie like you are, but I am more carbs over desserts, just not a big dessert guy. So that's just how I've always been.
0: You know, I'm not either. That's the thing. Yeah. Wow. So I think yeah. I think that's why I, I went for it, 'cause I, I mean I never I mean I never eat carbs, sugar. I, I stay away from all that stuff basically all year and Thanksgiving's okay. like the one time where I can really yeah, so ramp you. it up a little bit. So okay. I like it. Okay, well, two different approaches there. You've left some money on the board, but you know those are our favorite Thanksgiving yeah. foods. So, now,
1: Jake, I will say, you know, you wouldn't make it in Kentucky. You know, I would not. <laughs> With no carbs and all that kind of stuff, you wouldn't
0: make. It. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, good thing I live out here and I can eat lots of the the smoked meats and all that kind yeah. of stuff. It's all it's all very friendly. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks so much for tuning in. Have a great Thanksgiving and enjoy the games this weekend. It's going to be a great rivalry weekend last week of the regular season. Hopefully everyone has a great Thanksgiving with their family, friends and everything like that. That's really what it's all about. We'll be back Sunday night or early Monday morning, depending on when you listen. I'll be with Tony Ruberg and Ray Ruberg for the college football weekly Roundtable. We're going to have a lot to discuss heading into the conference championship weekend next week, but that'll do it for our week 14 DFS preview. We will see you either Sunday night or Monday morning, depending on when you choose to listen. Again, enjoy the weekend. Have a great Thanksgiving. For Bobby Berger, I'm Jacob Doyle. Until next time, take care.